Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net. And be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, on Google Play Music, on the new Google Podcasts app, as well as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and on the Overcast app for iOS. Plus, if you didn't see the big news we recently announced, NHTE is now available on Spotify, so be sure to follow the show on there. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Los Angeles, my guest is a Billboard charting record producer, EDM remixer, DJ, and multi-instrumentalist who has worked on Grammy-winning and nominated albums. This year alone, he has had four number one songs, He also hosts celebrity TV shows for the 24K Music Network. His success has come while working across various genres of music over the years. He also has a great story of moving across the country to Los Angeles and how he then rose up to where he is today. You've been hearing his remix of Ariana Grande's No Tears Left to Cry. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Robert Eibach. Hi, Bruce. Robert, great to have you here. This is, I should have told you before we hit record, this is our milestone 250th episode of NHTE. So thanks for your time today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And uh, happy to be a part of the the, uh, the podcast. And not only that, but this milestone show. That's no awesome. Doubt. No Congratulations. Doubt. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we always start off by having the guests talk about the song that we played during the intro. In this case... It was your remix of No Tears Left to Cry by Ariana Grande. Walk us through your process for remixing that song. Maybe how, when, and why you chose it. And then, forgive my ignorance on this one, the creative aspect of the remix. Meaning, did you first hear the song when it was released and get an idea in your head of what you would do to it? Or... Did you just decide, wow, I need to dig into that song and see what I can come up with in terms of a remix? Um, well, that song in particular, and, and the c- question you asked is like perfect for, for what I was going to explain, too, is that um, when I heard that that song the first night that I came out, uh, um, and knowing kind of the backstory behind it, because I, I think, um, um, as you know, and, and your listeners know that Ariana's had kind of uh, an interesting thing uh year and um that song in particular is um there's some mentions of the manchester bombing mm-hmm. that happened at, at one of her, her concerts and when i heard the song i was just i was i i as soon as i heard it i said i, I have to be a part of this i have to remix this i don't know what i don't know how that's gonna happen mm. but um but i have to be part of this because the message was just so um dear to me and and just like i I think anyone in the music business not only just fans and 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 music lovers but it when that bombing happened it was it it hit home really you know because it's a it's another artist it's a colleague that that 
she had nothing to do with with that whatsoever and then you know that that terrible terrible thing happened and then it being you know young kids and and all this all these things that just came out of that um just it just felt like when i heard that it was just oh this is just really important and and it's really close to me i don't i don't know ariana but i i just need to be a part of the song so um so that was kind of my I think it came out in April, the, the song itself. Uh, and, um, and then I figured out um, uh, how I could. And it just so happens that one of a promoter that I was working with on some other remixes just happened to be promoting that song. And, um, and I talked to David and I said, I, I have to remix this. So, so we put it together. And, um, and when I heard it, I wanted to do something that, uh, the song itself is already in kind of um, what we call a dance tempo. I believe it's in 125 uh, BPM, beats per minute. Mm-hmm. And um, so that already, it was already kind of made to be remixed, I, I guess, is, <laughs> is uh, the right way to put it there. Well, I just wonder, is it a case of where, you know, I've heard songwriters say, don't play any music around me right now. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in songwriting mode. I don't want to be influenced by something else. So do you sit down with a song like that, Robert, and listen to it over and over and over to, to really get a sense for the song and say, okay, okay, now, now I'm hearing what I could do with it? Or is it the opposite where it's, like I said about songwriters, where it's, you know, I'll listen through it once, Bruce, and after that I just kind of need to be left alone to put my creative hat on and decide, okay, now that I know I want to remix a song, this is what I want to do. Yeah, it, it's exactly that, actually. Um, um, yeah, I, well, I, I've heard the song a lot because it was on the radio, but but when I get into that remixing mode, I listen to it, like you said, I listen to it once, I figure out what the chord, chords are and what key the song is in, and then I just have the acapella vocal, so I just start from a clean slip. And, and it's really kind of what you said, I don't want to be influenced by by something else um i want um i want it to be its own animal i guess and um i know from doing remixes and and uh producing dance songs i know what's gonna work what the djs are gonna Uh. arts um because there's very specific parts that that need to be there um as a music lover yourself um the drum is always you know four four beats and it's you know those kinds of things that it always needs but all but all the other parts i like to come in and give my own flavor my own thing and that's one of the things i really really love about remixing is that i can completely be a hundred percent creative me who who, uh, because it's my remix on that you know if that makes any sense yeah yeah i like that there's a aspect here that I don't want to go over, which is you mentioned that the song had just come out in April. And so I wonder, is there in the remix world the same strategy that we heard from a guest who talked about in YouTube that one of the best ways to succeed on YouTube is that as soon as a song comes out, you publish a video of your cover version as soon as you possibly can because that song is going to take off and everyone's going to be searching for it. And so they'll come across your cover video on YouTube. So does the same thing apply or is it just a coincidence that I'm reading too much into the fact that you said that the song came out in April and, you know, here we are in November and you've already had a remix out of it? Well, I think 
um, there's a couple ways that different remixers approach it. I think some remixers do what you said, where they, they as soon as they hear it, they put it out right away. And then um, some are specifically promoted by the label and and the um, and the promoters. And those are the ones that I do. So so really, it's based on when their promotion is of the okay. song. Okay. So um, when when that song in particular um they released it to radio maybe i came on kind of in the middle in the middle of the promotion on that so it was um they're already gathering remixes as it's on radio and then they pushed it to that chart i believe it hit the chart in may wow. so it was kind of you know in, in sequence there and um and i and the number one i want to say hit in it went all the way up to number one in July. Hmm. Interesting. That's an interesting so it's a, time. Yeah, it's a process. And it's all, I mean, that's all based on, on promotion from, like I said, from the label and the, and the different promoters that they use. And, um, but, but like you said, with YouTube, um, with covers and different things like that, there are a lot of different remixers that will do that. And they'll post it out as soon as the song comes out, they'll, they'll figure out how to get vocals and, and different things like that and, and post it. Uh, mine's are mine, like I said, are a little different because uh, um, that one was an official release. So it's you know up to when the label wants to put it out, really, in, in the promoters. So um, so yeah, I don't know if that answered your your question, but but um, that's kind of how how that works in that world. You're going down an interesting road here because when you're starting to talk about promoters and and you being aligned with them. Let's get into the business dealings involved with with remixing a song. What what is the process? Do you contact the artist or someone on their behalf first before you start a remix? What I mean by by that is, do you need to get their permission to remix their song? Because I I wonder if by chance maybe it just varies from one artist to the next. And I and for for that matter, I wonder if any of them want to be involved in the process as you're going along with creating the remix you know do they want to hear it when you're finished before it gets released to to give their final approval what what does all that stuff look like behind the scenes that that the average music listener might not realize is taking place oh it's completely different with every artist um um, a lot of times because i've done a lot of remixes um a lot of uh labels and arts will actually approach me first and then sometimes if i really 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 want to do a song um i'll talk with with david longoria who you know really well who's um um with our company delaro music and and he has really good relationships with labels and, and promoters so i i'll talk to him and i'll say hey uh hey david i'd like to to remix a song what do you think should should we go after it and, and different stuff like that but a lot of times um they'll come to me uh right now especially uh, since i've had some that have been doing really well um, but it's, you know, it's a whole different with each artist. I mean, some artists, like you said, some artists don't even get involved with that. They leave it up to the labels and the promoters to take care of it. And then other artists are really involved in, in what they'd like to hear. And they'll actually give you give you feedback. I had one that's on um, one artist that's on a major label that she specifically wrote wrote me an email back like telling me what she like how much she liked the remix and different things like that and i was um like honored that that she did that because like i said (laughs) you a lot of times you just you're just hearing from the promoters and the labels so it's it's a pretty 
it's a pretty cool world. Um, and that also, like I was saying earlier, gives you the room to kind of make it your own and be as creative as you want to with it because they know that's what they're going to get from it. Gotcha. Well, listeners, I do want to send you back to a couple of past episodes. And Robert, uh, this is going to lead to another question. But for those of you who are in the EDM world, you probably know by now that way, way back on episode 31 of this show, my guest was Steve Cherubino. And that is, believe it or not, probably the most listened to episode ever of Now Hear This Entertainment. So if you like EDM music, go back and listen to him on episode 31. And then, Robert, what I'm building up to is I also did an episode with Tina Perez, who this was episode 180, listeners, if if you want to go and listen to that one. And what I'm driving at is as I talked to her, I brought out the fact that she's a singer-songwriter, but... You know, she's done some mixtapes. She was working on a new EP at the time that I was talking to her, and she was inviting people, send me your beats. And I thought, she's got that on her Twitter. And, you know, what about people who are out there just kind of doing this renegade style and going and remixing stuff and sending it to artists like her or doing whatever they want with it with never contacting the artist whatsoever? Is is that playing with fire, or is it, you know, sometimes you're okay and and sometimes you're not. I guess it really depends on the, <laughs> on the artists and, and the labels and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's a tough that's a tough one to say because everyone has their own kind of way that they like it. I mean, I, I think some artists, like getting back to kind of remixes and stuff, like um, some artists really like the fact that. Um, that people are going out and, and finding ways to remix their song because it gives them some more emotion and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, especially if they're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but just to have their, their name over and over on, you know, if you search uh, Twitter and you search, let's say uh, Taylor Swift remix or something like that, there's a whole bunch of uh, what they would call bootlegs and different things like that, where just people have found the vocals and, and do ultimately will help promote Taylor because so many people want to remix her and and i think the same thing with like cover songs too is that so many people want they love the song so much that they just want to do their version of it so i think um that a lot of it does help with promoting that artist but i do know that there are some there are some artists that they definitely want to have control over all of it and um and two we live in a different world with music where where doing that a lot that artist and those songwriters might not get paid you know and and that gives a youtube that gives youtube and and uh different streaming platforms a big problem because they have to pay out the artist because it's it's almost like radio now you you know what i mean yeah i was going to ask you on the business side of all this once you and i mean i mean you robert once you start selling your remixes meaning listeners are streaming or downloading them, do you owe a percentage of the sales to the original artist? Do, do the do the PROs monitor that? How, how does that work? And listeners, I hope you know, uh, PROs, it stands for Performance Rights Organization. That's like ASCAP, BMI, CSAC. If you don't know about them, go on the website, nhte.net, and click into the blog section. There was one published on October 1st, uh, a guest blog actually by Chris Tanner, He's an artist, a musician, and an inventor, but he's also a patent attorney. So read 
about PROs if you don't know what they are. But as I mentioned, Robert, what is the case there once you start selling your, your remixes? Do you owe a percentage of the sales to the original artist? Do the PROs monitor it? How does that work? Well, I, I personally don't sell them. That label. When I do when I do them, I, I hand them over to um, to either the label, the artist, or the promoters. So they're okay. the ones who distribute it. Okay. So they take care of all of that. So I personally don't have to to um, to to deal with that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, but if I'm releasing, um, it's it's yeah. Um, you'd have to have permission for sure to be able to do that. So it sounds like listeners, Robert is warning you that if you are someone who's into doing remixes, it's best to take the better safe than sorry approach and, and err on the side of asking for permission. Don't do the approach of it's easier to ask for forgiveness later instead of permission now. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Robert, what's the most ex- obscure remix that you've ever done? Meaning kind of one of those, well, would you believe I actually mixed a Frank Sinatra song? <laughs> have you have you ever done something with the have you ever done something with a really old tune or do you pretty much stick to current releases? Most of the stuff I is current. Um I'm trying to think. That's a good that's a good question. Um I do have an artist that I worked with. Um I produced her song. She's a country artist and we did um a dance remixes for that, which is pretty cool because, you know, you wouldn't assume that country and, and the EDM world would mesh like yeah. that, but there's a lot of similarities there. And, and that was pretty, pretty cool and interesting. Um, but yeah, I haven't taken anything that's been, um, that would be kind of cool though, to do, to do a Sinatra song into into a dance remix. You might you may have given me an idea there, Bruce. <laughs> uh, copyright 2018, Bruce Warzniak, now hear this incorporated. <laughs> exactly. Uh, good stuff. If I do that, we'll have to premiere it on your show. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Listeners, let me clarify, by the way, I mentioned uh, Steve Cherubino in episode 31. He is an EDM producer, but he also hosts a podcast highlighting that genre. And if you're a regular listener to this show, I hope you know by now that whenever I mention any past episodes, we do put links to those on the show page for that particular episode of NHTE. And I am going to ask Robert about his songs that charted on Billboard, as I mentioned in the intro, plus about the Grammy-nominated songs. But first, I have to tell you that I saw the studio he works out of when I was in L.A. a couple weeks ago, and I had to restrain myself from looking around for Tascam gear. You you know that's whose stuff I use, whether I'm set up here or if I'm out on location. Speaking of Robert doing remixes, Mix Magazine recently tabbed the Tascam Model 24 as the product of the week. You've heard me mention that particular mixer before. It's a multi-track recorder with a USB audio interface that looks retro but just came out a couple months ago and is really taking the recording industry by storm. It was even in the gear section of Premier Guitars' November issue. Check out that and a ton of other recording solutions at Tascam.com. That's T-A-S-C-A-M.com. Robert, rather than gear, I'm curious, and I'm sure many of the listeners are, what software do you like to use for your remix work? I really enjoy using Digital Performer. And, um, and there's another software called reason, which is, uh, really good as well. Um, digital performer, I think, um, it used to be called performer and then they switched it to digital performer, but, but they were 
kind of the pioneers in, in doing MIDI sequencing. And um, a lot of a lot of um, industry people uh, know them well for doing uh, movie scoring and different things like that. But I don't. I just really, really like the workflow in that in that software. I've used for years, and um, it's. I think like anything, especially um, with the way that uh, DAWs um, have have been improving and and really uh, trying to be on the cutting edge with each other that when you find one that you really love working with, uh, you, you kind of, you stick with it because it just, it becomes uh, second nature. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not to mention nobody likes the learning curve of trying something new. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's even harder when, when uh, software, uh, when they update from one uh, version to the next yep. and then they change a bunch of things and it's almost free mode wait this was over over to the left last time why is it in the center what, what's going on here but um but you tend you get used to it. but like you you're right i mean it's learning new stuff um when oftentimes when you don't need need to either um could be can be a hassle i like i like things to be super streamlined i'd rather not spend the time uh relearning something and spend the time being creative if that makes sense yeah, I like that. I like that. Well, while we're sort of in this category, tell the listeners about that studio that I just mentioned that you work out of in Los Angeles that I got to see when I was there a couple of weeks ago. Tell the listeners who it belonged to and, and what was recorded there. Well, this studio is is pretty famous because it, it was owned by a gentleman named Casey Kasem. And if your listeners don't know uh, Casey Kasem, he, he, he was shaggy, <laughs> Scooby-Doo, <laughs> and also he was... Um, the host of America's top 40 for um, years. And um, you would know his voice if you heard it. I mean, it was like the classic all time uh, radio voice that uh, he was just amazing. And um, he built this studio in, in Los Angeles. And I think he, uh, he spent over a million dollars building the, uh, the recording booth itself. And um, this is a, a man who made several million dollars a year on his voice. So he just won't, wanted everything perfect so when david uh david longoria got the studio he just loved the vocal booth because it was absolutely perfect you know um it's a floated i don't know if your listeners know what a, a floated floor is but it's completely separate from from the walls of the studio and it's separated by either sand or rubber and it's kind of its own little world there and um and the acoustics are just absolutely perfect and all the angles on the walls are are uh just perfectly aligned so that the 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 way that the the sound bounces it's it doesn't tend to phase itself or or any kind of crazy noises or anything like that um so yeah it's just it's just this wonderful wonderful recording booth and and i've i've been here with with david for almost 15 years and it's wow i love it wow and i wish i would have pulled wish i would have thought to have pulled a clip of I'm Casey Kasem with American Top 40, now on with the countdown. Rising four spots this week to number nine. And then he goes on and tells you the story of it. And here's a little here's a little piece of NHTE trivia that listeners, I, I'm thrilled. I, I'm so thankful for those of you who have been with me for so long, more than four and a half years now. But you probably don't know this. When you hear the Bruce's bonus segment in the middle of every episode of this show, and you know that there's the Bruce's bonus books the ebooks available the reason that they're in chunks of 40 per book 
is secretly as a nod to Casey Kasem's American Top 40. So 40 tips in every volume of the Bruce's bonus book ebook series, and that's why. And so here's Robert doing this interview from the very studio where Casey Kasem used to record American Top 40, as well as all his other voiceover work. I wonder, Robert, do you do all your work there exclusively, or is it as long as I have my laptop, I can mix anywhere? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean... Uh, yes, I've been I've been uh, working here for 15 years and um, and it's it's home, you know, it's it's one of those places that it's just it's it's home. So um, but but I do tend to at home, I'll I'll start tracks, I'll start remixes, um, I'll do some rap on like you said, on the laptop at home and different places like that. You know, if I'm visiting family or different uh, different stuff like that, but. But when it comes down to doing the final mixes and, and getting uh, the vocals and, and the recording done, uh, uh, this is exclusive. Okay, okay. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is speak slowly, speak clearly, enunciate when you are giving out your name, your web address, and other super important details. You are used to saying those over and over, but people hearing you for the first time might miss out if you roll it out too fast just because you are so used to always speaking your own name or song titles or whatever. Keep this in mind when you're on stage, when you're doing an interview. Heck, anytime someone hearing you could be getting a first-time introduction to who you are and what you do. Don't miss out on the chance to get new followers or new business just because someone couldn't understand your web address, your name, where to find you, etc. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes, and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. Robert, let's talk about some of the artists that you're working with right now. Go ahead and update us, all of the listeners, in terms of who all you're currently dealing with these days. Um, well, um, I keep mentioning David, um, but uh, we that um, I produced with him called Playground that's featuring a young lady named Dallas Lovato. And if your listeners know that last name, her sister is Demi Lovato. But um, uh, Dallas just... Uh, is awesome on a song called playground and uh it's it's just perfect she's just the perfect fit for it because she has this amazing energetic personality that she brought to the song and it just sounds so like, yeah perfect and um that song is on the billboard charts right now which is really cool <laughs> yeah. um and uh and i've i produced with david his album the journey which uh, I think he talked with you about uh, in that song playground is one of the songs off of that album. Um, I have a young artist named Ani who also just had her first single um, 
hit number 33 on the Billboard charts, and uh, that song's called Dance the Night Away. And, you know, it's pretty awesome when you're working with an artist who first release hits the Billboard charts. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible. Mm. And she's got this really awesome voice. She's a, she's a Latin dance and bass uh, comes and piano, and she's she's pretty cool. We're finishing up her album right now. She's got another single um, that's about to be released called Confession. So that one we're hoping will do really well. Um, a couple other I worked with. I mentioned Tony uh, Ashton, who um, she was the country artist, whose her single um, "Trouble" is coming out uh, really soon. And also, um, Sierra and the Radicals have a really cool song coming out as well. So um, it's been it's been pretty busy. Um, and then I'm working with with other artists as well with uh, finishing up some music. So I'm really really excited about what 2019 is going to hold because there's a lot of really, really cool releases and um, it should be a fun, exciting year. Wow. Wow. Well, so while we're doing this listing, go ahead and talk about the four number one songs that you've had this year. Okay. Well, we played one of them, which is um, uh, No Tears Left to Cry, that that remix. And I also remixed um, Ariana's song, God is a Woman, which also hit number one and Aguilera with her song except and um i remixed that one as well which hit number one and marshmallow and Anne marie had a song called friends which also uh went to number one on the um on the radio mix show so that that was one of my remixes as well so it's been a really really cool year uh with that and uh i just did a remix another remix for for Ariana uh, called, with her song called Breathe In. So that one you should be hearing really soon wow. as well. Wow. And listeners, just to do a little bit of housekeeping, uh, stick around. We will be playing Playground, one of the songs that Robert just talked about. We will be playing that in its entirety at the end of today's show. And also he has mentioned David Longoria a few times. That was NHTE episode 221. If you want to go back and listen to my conversation with David, and then, Robert, also you've worked on Grammy-winning and nominated albums. Just the Grammy winners, what albums were those that you worked on? There's an album called Winds of Samsara, which um, is by uh, two artists, Voter Kellerman and Ricky Kej. And that, went, that won the Grammy for the Best New Age album, um, which I worked on. And also, um, uh, Voter Kellerman, his album... Love Language got a uh, Grammy nomination for um, Best Contemporary Instrumental Album. <laughs> the names are so long. <laughs> and um, uh, the Jam Band got a Latin Grammy nomination for uh, Adelante, which was a children's album. So it's pretty, it's been definitely the last few years have been uh, very blessed. And I also wanted to mention uh, there's just that you interviewed Ariel Diamond, uh, who I did a remix. For her song "Lose Control," that also um, did really, really well on the Billboard cheer, and she's got another uh, few songs out as well, which I've uh, done remixes for. So, really excited about those too. Wow, wow, <laughs> that's a lot. Know, that's a lot. <laughs> Listeners, the episode that he's referring to is NHTE two hundred six with April Diamond. If you want to go back and hear my conversation with her. 
I, this is listeners. I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit on this. This is something that I would normally ask a guest off the air, but I'll let you in, let you hear a, a, a private conversation. <laughs> Robert, so when you talk about these albums that you worked on that won Grammys, does that enable you to say that you are a Grammy winning, whatever it would be in that case, a producer, engineer, mixer, etc.? Or, or is that not? Can can you are you not entitled to make that claim? How do what, what's the distinction there? How do they define that? Well, that's a that's an interesting question. The the Grammys um, generally, the, depending on what the category is, the actual trophy will go to the artist, or um, if it's a specific pro- producer trophy or different thing. But but me um, for those albums, I got from the Grammys a certificate that says you you uh, you participated in this album that won a Grammy. So on my wall, it's this cool like here's a Grammy winning certificate for and and also nomination certificates for these these albums. So um, interesting. So, so I the way I look at it is that um, the project won. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And, um, and that everyone involved in it has is. It may not have won those people weren't involved. You know what I mean? It's yep. kind of like a, a, a group, like a family thing. And that includes the artists, the producers, the the engineers, the musicians. You know, everyone involved really participated in, in that piece of history. You know I what like I mean? It. I like it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Ani. You were producing her album. But we've talked from time to time in this show about the importance of an artist choosing their producer I wonder, is there such a thing as a producer being too passive? Because I know that the artist is the boss and has the final say on their songs and that the producer will make suggestions, sometimes with real conviction if they feel strongly. But at the other end of the spectrum, because I don't know if we've ever really gone this way with the question as we've talked with different artists on this show about the importance of choosing a producer and if somebody just you know is way too strong and wants to completely change what are your babies what are the songs that you wrote you know then maybe that's not the producer for you but if someone just doesn't have that kind of personality can it be a detriment to them as a producer you know as i said perhaps being too passive yeah the the way that i look at it is that um the artist is the one who has to perform that song or that those that collection of songs for the rest of their you know and it's and those songs should be something that they want perform that they love like that, those songs should really represent who those artists are. But from a pr- producer, I to be the person that looks at it and says, the songwriting needs to be tightened up here so that it can communicate what you're, what you as the artist are trying to communicate to, to a wide audience. You know, I have to be the one that says, this song needs to follow certain things, uh, uh, I don't want to say rules, but certain guidelines that really make the song a hit song. Uh, and, you know, each each genre is completely different as well. And each artist is completely different. I absolutely do not want to take anything away from who that artist is, because that's any artist that we we listen to on the radio or or on Spotify or whatever. Um, we love them because of who they are. You know, we yeah. love them because they communicate to us. Um, their message and and they all have this really unique voice and and those you know when you listen to the radio as soon as um an ariana grande song comes on or a demi lovato song comes on um you know exactly 
exactly that that's them, you know, um, Coldplay or, or, you know, any of these any of these artists. And I always look at it as as that's what any artist I work with, they need to to you need to know who they are as soon as you hear them. Yeah. So it's really this delicate balance of um, of of not taking away anything from that artist, but also um, making sure that song is the best it can be in the production and the vocals and, and instrumentation are the best that they, they can be. So I'm, I'm really adamant on that. I think any, any artist that I work with, when I talk to them before working with them, that's what I express to them. You know, um, I'm, I'm the type of producer that I liked. I have these standards that it has to hit, but I'm also totally open to every suggestion from the artist too. You know, I'm definitely, uh, you know, there's things that they come up with that I wouldn't have even thought of that turns out to be mm-hmm. one of the coolest things, or if not the coolest thing on the record. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's making those th- that, and it's really that relationship of, of being open and working together yeah. that really yeah. makes a great product. I, yeah. I feel. And what know. I'm taking from that listeners, if you are a performer, if you're someone who records in a studio and works with a producer, if you do get a producer who is too passive and just kind of sits there and nods and smiles and says, you know, I'm just here to push buttons. You do what you do best. I'm going to do what I do best. And they don't really offer you much direction at all. Then, then yes, that pro- that producer probably is being too passive and is doing a disservice to their profession and to your music, to your project in not helping it reach its maximum potential. So do heed Robert's words. I agree. Yeah, beyond be the lookout. I agree with you 100% on that, Bruce. Yeah. Listeners, I am joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Los Angeles by record producer, EDM remixer, and DJ Robert Eibach. Check out his official website at roberteibach.com. We will have a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Of course, you can always look at the title of this episode on your listening device to get the proper spelling of his name, so you can check out roberteibach.com and then engage with him on social media. Robert is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, plus he does also have a YouTube channel. Also, he has music posted on SoundCloud, which is one of the platforms that show is available on. As for our social media, just go to our show website, nhte.net. And you will find icons there that you can click on for your favorite social media platform or platforms, plural. Instagram in particular, I'd love to see more followers on there. But just start at nhte.net and then hit up whichever you like and click over to like, follow, etc. Robert, I alluded to this back in the intro. Tell the listeners the story about how you moved to Los Angeles and started looking for work in the music industry. I graduated from a school in, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania called Temple University. Um, I don't know if you know it. Yep. Um, but it's right in the heart of Philadelphia. A uh, really good basketball team. <laughs> yep. yep. That's why most of us know it, because of their basketball team. <laughs> oh, <laughs> for sure. And um, there's uh, uh, I was working at a studio in, in Pennsylvania um, called Third Story Recording with... Um, uh, Scott Herzog and Mark Sariski and um, and they're they're great and I was telling them you know I as soon as I graduate I want to move to to Los Angeles and um, and you know they're giving me tips and also um, the head of the the, the music recording department Jack Klotz at Tempo was they're all giving me advice on moving to they had this they said you know no matter what you have to 
you're, it's a new city and this is the big time. So you really have to, to check your ego at the door. And, and even if you've been doing recording sessions and, and, and working in a studio, which is a really famous studio in, in Philadelphia, you still have to go in there with the attitude that you will do anything, um, get coffee, all those things because mm. you have, yeah, uh, and, um, so I already had that kind of instilled in me. And so when I moved, moved out here i was really i moved out here to to do to pursue music and to pursue production and, and working in the studio so there's um you had mentioned mix magazine early and that every year they put out a directory of of studios so i just started i looked at los angeles and um i started at a and i just started calling every studio and i got to d uh del oro music and uh um, David answered the phone and, um, and I was shocked because no one <laughs> had answered the phone all the way up to D. And it was definitely one of those things that I was like, man, you know, this is tough. And, um, so he said, Oh, um, you know, I think it was maybe a Monday or Tuesday. And he said, uh, come in Thursday, uh, you know, come in and, and we'll talk about it. And I was like, Oh wow, this is awesome. <laughs> you know, the, so I actually did not call any other studios after that. I was like, okay, uh -huh. this is really cool. I'm going to, I'm going to see what, what this what this turns into so when i um arrived at, at del oro i um as soon as i walked in the door i was like oh man this this place feels really nice because it reminded me so much of of uh, third story in philadelphia and um and then i met half and they were all really nice you know they, they were asking me questions about what i've done you know different things like you know normal interview stuff and um and then I went in to meet David and um, and I walked into the studio and a lot of equipment in was very similar to the equipment I was using at third story. And um, I said, oh, this place is great. I already know this stuff. So so any, you know, um, in my mind, I'm thinking this like, oh, please, like I hope that <laughs> I hope this guy really <laughs> likes me because because this would be a perfect place to start. And David was just so kind he said, you know, I want to start you off, um, you know, uh, seconding, sec being a second engineer on sessions, which is someone you're assisting the main engineer, um, mm -hmm. whatever they need. Uh, you know, you're you're setting up microphones, you're doing different things like that. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Because I thought I was going to be getting coffee right away. <laughs> so I was already felt like this was a really cool thing. And, and nice. he was just such a nice a guy. And, and, and he had all these major, major credits of things that he's been been working on i mean he he produced with quince jones who's you know the one of the greatest of all time yeah. you know so it's you're already um i'm already feeling like i really need to show that i can do that i'm that i'm up to this level you know what i mean that i can really do this so it was just really kind of him to to extend that opportunity and um you know i always want to thank him for that because like anybody in in, in and that's something that I'd like to tell your listeners too, that anyone who gives you an opportunity like that for anything, you should always thank them because, because they don't have to do that. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, uh, and really I, I, you know, feel indebted to him in a way that, that he did extend that opportunity, but it just turned out to be this, this really cool, um, working relationship. And like yeah. I said, I've been here for almost 15 years now. Yeah, and I would add, listeners, when you thank those people, then then go thank them again. And then when you're done with that, thank them again. Yeah, exactly. Robert, I, I mentioned back in the intro that you're a multi-instrumentalist. As I understand it, you play guitar, piano, and bass. If that's correct, are you playing 
one or more of those instruments on client projects and or out live at events, or is most of your guitar, piano, and bass playing days behind you? You know, every night when I go home, I play guitar. Wow. <laughs> um, so that's that's definitely the thing. That's one of the things that I do that's just super relaxing, wow. even though, you, you know, um, the music business itself is it can be really stressful at times. And just playing music on your own, it doesn't have to be anything particular but just kind of strumming a guitar it's so super relaxing so i do that every night um but yeah there are projects that i will um i will play parts on different parts especially when i'm doing and and doing dance productions i play all of those parts um and then oftentimes if it's a genre that i'm not super um i understand the genre but i also um know that there's there's amazing guitar players in los angeles there's amazing bass players and piano players and drummers in los angeles so i i will bring in musicians that i know that that will really like do amazing on a song you know what i mean so i don't i don't have to be the guy that has to play on everything but i also i do enjoy it for sure cool cool and listeners i should note by the way that with regards to guitar and bass Boulder Creek Guitars does both, in addition to ukuleles also. Chris Donahue talked two weeks ago on episode 248 about playing bass specifically from Boulder Creek. He has been out performing this year with Emmy Lou Harris and with Leanne Womack. We've had a handful of guests on who are playing Boulder Creek guitars, including Dave Jenkins, one of the founding members of Pablo Cruz, who's still out touring in 2018. Listen to what they had to say. Heck, let me tell you how much I like my Boulder Creek guitar and check out the complete artist roster and learn more about their instruments at bouldercreekguitars.com. That's B-O-U-L-D-E-R, bouldercreekguitars.com. Robert, any cool story from hosting celebrity TV shows for the 24K Music Network? Anything real unique? <laughs> a couple a couple fun ones that um the first time i did it was it was a red carpet at the american music awards and i was with actually david and um and he said all right go ahead you're, you're doing the interviews today and i didn't expect that at all so <laughs> so my first time ever doing it was at the american music awards with all these celebrities so that was a lot wow. of fun and um and i actually have to thank him for that because being put in that kind of position you have to perform you know it's yeah. there's no there's no getting out of it and and i i really realized that i i love doing it you know um by doing that um i had a really fun experience with um an artist by the name of michael buble yeah who when he he had um it was an event for him and he he walked up to me and just started a conversation <laughs> and it was the interview turned into that and it was just it was just one of those moments that, wow, this is a really big star. And he just came up to me and like, I'm his, we've known each other for 10 years and, and, and we were just having a conversation and it, and he's just that type of guy. And I really, uh, I really admired that about him because it was just an interesting approach to doing it. You know, it was just very cool. I, um, um, so it was, it was fun. Um, I did, you know, I have a goofy, uh, one, uh, about, uh, do you, I don't know if you're a baseball fan or, at all, Yep. but, um, um, there's a there's name Clayton Kershaw, who's probably yep. the best pitch baseball, you know, yeah. he's, he had won the Cy Young this year and I, I was at, um, 
a Nickelodeon uh, sports award show, I think. And um, and he was on the red carpet. And I'm a huge San Francisco Giants fan. Uh-oh. So, so I, I had to tell him, I said, you know, I love, like, you, like, I admire you as a pitcher because you're so good, but I have to tell Giants not allowed to like you <laughs> and he he just joked along with me and he just thought that was funny and, and he really like he went along with it and it was really cool and uh, like those kind of interviews when i when i was doing them i really appreciated that because it wasn't so static or just general answers to questions it was more like like you're you're really interacting with someone who's a real person you know yeah. and 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 that was that's just something that I think to your listeners uh, should know that like all these people we we see them as celebrities and they're in the world but they're all real people you know and 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 they have senses of humor and and and, and pain and and all kinds of things so it was just um, it was a lot of fun experiencing that firsthand because I'm the guy who's interviewing them and them like joking with me and just having fun it was just really cool well and it sounds like what you're saying and listeners you know that I never ever pat myself on the back on this show, but I guess I'll allow myself just a little bit since we're celebrating the 250th episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. But unbeknownst to all of you who listen, that is the biggest compliment that I get from my guests regularly, which is you ask really good questions. And I know that what they mean is you don't ask me the same old thing that everybody else asks me on all the other interviews. And it sounds like that's what Robert is saying that he found to be the case is you know, you're having these conversations with people that everyone else looks up to and goes, oh, my gosh, it's so-and-so. And Robert's going, yeah, it is, but they're a regular person just like me. So I'm just going to talk to him about regular stuff. You know, even granted, Clayton, <laughs> exactly. Clayton Kershaw, you're going to slip in. I mean, if it was me, I would say you're really good, but I'm a Tampa Bay Rays fan. So how about that Blake Snell, you know, and get into the whole Cy Young <laughs> conversation. But, uh, you know, that's that's, that's exactly. fun stuff. And uh, listeners, by the way, Michael Buble, back on episode 157, that was recorded in January of last year, January 2017, out in Anaheim at the Winter NAM show. And I interviewed Laura Dickinson, and she had three songs on the Grammy ballot at the time, and she had been working with Michael Buble. So uh, amazing the way that all these things come full circle here on NHTE. And speaking of coming full circle, we've come to the end. So Robert, uh, I mentioned before that listeners, if you are a regular, you're going to know this song because we did play it back on episode 221 when the guest was David Longoria, who you've heard Robert mention several times. But we're going to close with the song Playground, a single that's out right now. So before we let you go, Robert, just tell the listeners more about this song. Well, Playground, was um, there's um, it's fun. <laughs> uh, David and I produced I did the um the version you're going to hear is the is the radio remix that i did and um when david was was doing his album the journey he had come to me and he said robert you know you're doing so so well with these remixes and different stuff i i'd I'd like to have you produce some songs with me and i was like wow that's amazing that you're asking me to do that so i'm 100 percent in so when he wrote the lyrics to the song he wanted it to be something that was just really fun and uplifting that people can just let loose on the dance floor and just enjoy it and and just like like kids do on a playground you know what i mean just have fun and, mm. and leave everything else behind and and this is your time and and that is you're gonna hear dallas about um the vocals and that is her that's her personality she's so fun and so awesome 
So it just turned out like that it was kind of a perfect match of things. So I hope you enjoy it. And um, yeah. And Robert, you were working on the music video for it when I saw you there at the studio a couple of weeks ago in Los Angeles. Is the video out? And if not, when can the listeners look for that? Um, the video, I think they're putting the finishing touches on it right now. And um, it should be out very, very soon within the next uh, week, if not sooner, <laughs> which which we're, um, we're hoping for. So um, we'll let you know, Bruce, when it's out there. Uh, so that you can, uh, if you'd like to post a link or anything like that, but you find it when when it's out on um, on my website that you mentioned earlier, and also YouTube and um, David Long- davidlongoria.com as well. Okay, and for those that want to see you on the 24K Music Network, where can they find that? They can look up uh, 24kmusicnetwork.com, and um, those are the numbers, 24kmusicnetwork.com, and... Um, Anything that you want to find about the network is on there. Um, uh, we're we're about to be launching in some streaming platforms as well as um, YouTube and also uh, college radio and TV stations. We're on 450 college radio and TV stations all across the country. So um, you could find all of that information there. Wow. Outstanding. Robert, this has been so much fun. I really appreciate it. Thank you for not only coming on, but uh, being the guest on the Milestone 250th episode. This was really great. Well, thank you so much for having me, Bruce, and congratulations on the show. Um, um, I really, I, I did really enjoy this interview a lot. So, so, um, so I hope that um, there's there's 250 million more shows that you do. <laughs> let's work on, let's work on the next 25 <laughs> listeners that will do it for another episode of now here, this entertainment. Think big, Bruce, think big. <laughs> no doubt. My sincere thanks to record producer, EDM remixer, DJ, multi-instrumentalist, funny man, Robert Ibach. Do check out his official website, which is robertibach.com, and then engage with him on social media. Like his Facebook page, follow him on Twitter and Instagram, subscribe to his YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell him you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Remember that you can find Robert's music on SoundCloud, which is one of the many platforms that this show is available on. Again, I would love for you to engage with us on social media. Start at our show website, nhte.net, and then click on the corresponding icon or icons, plural, there for our Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram. I do hope to see you on one or more of those. Thank you ever so much for listening. I really do appreciate your time, listeners. We will send you out today with another song from Robert Eibach. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Playground. Gonna have some fun, gonna have some fun
Leave everything else behind. Shake it, let it go tonight. Move your body to the music. Feel the rhythm warm your soul. Dance me free tonight. You'll see. Six place and space for you and me. Wanna move to the music? Hey, DJ, don't stop. Cause we came here to dance till the sun comes up. Raise your hand. 